and welcome to the Talking Bollocks podcast. Yes, I am back, you're back, we are back. It's good to have you here. So, this is the Talking Bollocks podcast. I am your host, Howard H. Smith. You may know me as lead singer of UK thrash band Acid Rain. You may know me as host of this here podcast. You may know me as stand-up comedian, as my character, Keith Platt. Or you might even know me as the host of the official Motorhead podcast, The Motorcast. But here... Here, this is my baby. I'm in charge. This is my show and you are welcome to it. Hello. How's it going? How's your day? How you feeling? Hey? Heard the news? Pretty good, isn't it? I mean, there's only one way there's only one place to start if you're based in the UK. Announcement that we are coming out of lockdown, but not only that. I am looking at a website, for some reason I wanted to say um, internet website, but um, where, you know, where else would it be? So, I'm looking at a website, and here is the story. It's the Metro, and it says, Reading and Leeds festivals will go, will, uh, will go ahead this summer. Let's go. Following the government's announcement on Monday, outlining plans for England to be um, eased out of lockdown by the end of June... Organisers told fans they can't wait to get back in the fields. <laughs> okay, steady on. That sounds that sounds a bit, uh, a bit off. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I mean, it, things look like they're going to happen. But obviously, I mean, you know, there's all there's already you know, lots and lots of opinions out there. You know, people going, really, is this happening or is it not happening? And oh, I'm not so sure. But I, you know. We, at the moment, it looks like it's going to happen, which means that other festivals will as well. But that's great for us in the UK, but it's still going to take time. Festivals outdoors are a different thing to venues indoors, obviously, with us all packed in indoors. There's going to be uh, there's going to be new rules for venues and all sorts and capacities and insistence on air conditioning. We, we've we've got to wait and see how all of that shakes down. But ultimately, it's good fucking news and it is good news because the other announcement um about a festival which was just a few days before this um was hellfest and basically hellfest has not gone ahead uh, is not going ahead they were told they could have i can't remember exactly how many thousand but they could have so many thousand people sat down and socially distancing and so the festival went not a chance fuck off which is understandable um so, um, but yeah, it looks like it looks like we're going to be up and running. But I, I'm just holding off, holding off at the moment because you just never know, you know, that we we've just got to wait and see. There's been so many false starts, and we've been out of lockdown before, and all the rest of it, and you know, we ate out to help out, and as it turns out, eating out to help out just spread the fucking virus. But anyway, anyway, some good news for once. So there is definitely definitely light at the end of the tunnel if you're in the uk anyway um certainly on the there's light at the end there's light at the end of uh, the tunnel named lockdown and vaccinations are cracking on wherever you are in the world i hope you are doing okay i hope you've got through this and i hope everything's coming together for you um it's just really great to have some good news for once and what other good news have I um, come across recently? Well, uh, Gojira, born for one thing. That 
landed on YouTube and I found myself doing something for the first time. I'm going to sound really fucking old now, so all of you, all of you younger listeners, be prepared to laugh at the old bastard, right? Um, I realised that I I saw on Blabbermouth that um, uh, Kajira had a new single out um, and the link were all the stri- I don't own I don't subscribe to any streaming services so um so I went to YouTube and broadcast it from my phone through my you know through my TV so it was coming through the so it came through my simmer system basically the point I'm getting to is this is the first time that I have um listened to the very first track from a band from a new album on YouTube through my TV and when I was watching it I was like wow, this is definitely a different experience. You know, I'm taking in the video, I'm taking in the visuals. It's cranked up and sounds fucking great. And it just, it was just a little thought that popped through my head. Maybe interesting, maybe not. You know, I've probably gone on about it enough, right? Um, Loved it though, loved the video, loved the tune. And the album Fortitude is coming out on April 30th. So more good fucking news. Very pleased with that. Um, I'll tell you what though, I'll tell you what I've had enough of. Tell you what I've had enough of. Um, along along with the oh, who's better, Belladonna or Bush? Really? And again, in another group the other day, I said, "Hey, I've had an idea. Why not rank your five? Let's rank your five favourite guitarists in metal." Mate, you have not had an idea. That idea is as old as the fucking hills. We've been doing that since metal existed. I'm 50 and the first time I did that must have been over 30 years ago. So fucking really? Anyway, anyway, the point I was going to make is that um, I'm just, hopefully there's going to be less of it now, but I'm sick and tired of people posting pictures of gigs and going, this is the last gig I went to. Oh, I I was at this gig this time. It's like, you're making it fucking worse for yourself and everybody else. Stop. I mean, admittedly, yes, I am behind the acid rain social media, and we and I have done a few of those. But I've tried, you know, I've tried to just keep things alive there and keep things moving and promising that we'll be coming back and all the rest of it. But, you know, hands up, guilty, I have done it. But just, just stop, just fucking stop. As somebody, there's a couple of people that I've blocked on social media because it's all they do. All they do is bang on about, oh, I got this album this time last year. Oh, I went to this gig this time. Oh, it was this tour. Oh, when it was, oh, I've got tickets. Oh, it's like, fucking hell, we get it. We fucking get it. We're all in the same fucking boat, you cock. Serious, anyway. <laughs> um, what else has been going on? Um, oh, Avenged Sevenfold are taking their time recording their new album and I was thinking well that's cool you know fine take as long as you want you know maybe don't even release it just throwing that out there as an idea you know it's just 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 messing but does the world really need another Avenged Sevenfold album do we really need another load of Metallica and Guns N' Roses rip-off tunes I don't know I don't know um and uh, now, uh, picking up, I, I do this occasionally, and obviously res- regular listeners will know. I get a bee in my bonnet about someone or something, and then and then they just seem to keep popping up in the news. And every time they do, I just have to give them uh, a mention. And in this case, it is the, um, 
It's the new single from Blackmore's Night called Nature's Light. Uh, Nature's Light, as in, you know, light switch. And um, I watched the video and it is one of the most cringeworthy things I have seen in a long time. I mean, it is, it's basically, it's, it's like... It's like an episode of Game of Thrones if their budget was 15 quid. <laughs> it's like, it really is the Tesco value Game of Thrones episode. Some of the CGI is fucking hilarious. I mean, if you watch it, watch the boat at sea. The sea doesn't move. It's brilliant. Um, I, in fact, I am going to post a, uh, if, if There will, will be a link in the description to this podcast. I will post a link, I promise. So you can watch the video and you can enjoy it. Hopefully, way more than I did. I mean, uh, headbanging accordion players, you know, dressed in sort of 18th century garb. It's just not happening for me, I'm afraid. It really isn't. And uh, I mean, there, there's just... It's really, really weird. It looks like a tourist information film made by a load of people who reenact ancient battles and are shit at it. <laughs> I think that's the, the best way that I could describe it. It's the kind of thing where you go like, all oh, right, you watch it and you go, all oh, right, okay, where was that filmed? Where was that filmed? Yeah, never going to go there. Never going to go there ever. Looks, looks terrible. <laughs> anyway. Uh, it's just, it's just, it just really, really amused me. Moving on. This was a story that caught my eye and I I was just really interested because it is kind of the opposite of um, people reacting the way you would expect. Um, You know, it was a bit like um, when I had um, a dude from Wasp, Chris Holmes, when I was talking about him saying like, you know, whose fault is it? It's my fault. And like, you know, taking ownership of it. And this is about um, writing an autobiography. And the person in question is Perry Farrell, he of Jane's Addiction. And I thought this was really interesting. He said, um, talking about his history, he said, some of it is downright embarrassing and I've got kids now, even though I'm not exactly ashamed, but I don't want to set my children on a wrong course because they think, well, you did it. They don't, they don't need to know it. They don't need to know it all about me. They can go out and live their life. My son already ran away from home twice. He just got back and I was mad at him a little bit, but then I had to say to myself, damn, I ran away from home too. I understand why he did it, but I just don't need to encourage him by telling him some of the wild shit I did. So he won't be writing a tell all book. And I just think that is absolute class. I really do. It's just like, do you know what? No, I'm not going to put all of that out there in the public realm to make a bit of money and feel, you know, and, and, and a bit more celebrity and, you know, be on the circuit and do the book tour and all the rest of it and see a bump in album sales and all the and he's And he's put his family and the wealth and the welfare of his family first. And I just think that is completely inspiring and to be admired. That is, I mean, the easy thing to do is write the book because you don't write it. You sit down with somebody, you do a shitload of interviews and they write it. And frankly, that sounds bloody appealing to me. But, you know, I, 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 I just think it's, I think that's really, really cool. And I don't think there's anything more I can say about that other than let's move on to the next story. And I wish it was as positive, but it really isn't. Um, Eddie Stutton vocalist with legendary hardcore band Leeway. Now, there's a name a lot of you will know, and some will be hearing for the first time, but Leeway, um, awesome band. Vocalist Eddie Sutton is battling lung cancer. Uh, Pretty much nothing worse for a singer 
to have than lung cancer. Um, obviously, he's not going to be thinking about singing much. He's thinking about living and staying alive, and that's totally understandable. I don't have any social media links or anything like that um, uh, to give you, but um, all you know, all I can say is Lee, Lee, Lee. No, it's Lee Way Howard. You fucking idiot. Sorry, Eddie. If you're listening, or if anybody who knows Eddie um, is listening. Please pass on my best. Everybody here is thinking of him. Um, and, and and again, almost almost opposite to that, Tony Iommi has had his first vaccine jab. Yes, the man who is responsible for heavy metal guitar has done it. He has had his first jab. That is fucking awesome. Well chuffed. And I am going to add on here... Um, that I'm watching a TV series. This is this is where um, movie bollocks and talking bollocks just strays into becoming the, the one show, right? Um, I'm watching at the moment the history. Um, oh God, the history of comedy on CNN. Yeah, it's not that. I'm watching um, Guitar Star from 2016. I mean, come on, let's be honest. At the moment, you're just watching all sorts of shit you wouldn't normally watch, aren't you? And yeah, so I'm watching Guitar Star from 2016. They've got eight guitarists. Mass audition, picked eight, all from different styles, including rock, get in. And um, and they've got George Benson, a big producer and a big you know, like acoustic guy who are the main, the main judges. And they're now going to mentor all of the guitarists and the best one gets to play at Latitude. And it's great. And George Benson's fucking brilliant. Absolute legend. And he's just spot on. He's really, really great. And um, and who are they going to get all of these guitar? You know, each of the you know each week they're they're being mentored by different guitarists from different genres and stuff. And um, who is representing rock? Oh, that's right, the man himself, Tony Iommi. I mean, yeah, I was just like, oh yeah, this is absolutely rocking. It really is. Very pleased with that. So anyway, it's worth checking out. That's all I'm saying. If you can hear. A noise in the background. It's the fucking parakeets that have decided to live outside my balcony. Now, of course, as soon as I stop talking, they don't say a word. But believe if you so if you hear some shrieking and squeaking in the background, it's the parakeets. And uh, I apologise. And as I always like to say to them, shut up, you squawking bastard. Oh, good lord. It's it's got even closer now, so hopefully it'll start eating and shut its mouth. Anyway, I think that's enough of a tangent for now, isn't it, folks? Um, well, the final bit of news um, is is again for some people this is great, for some people this is not great, for some people don't give a shit. Okay, um, what can I say? Andrew W K is releasing a new single. Um, I couldn't even be bogging. I, I, I couldn't even be bothered to write down the name of the single. Okay, um, Andrew W K. Um, oh, actually, I think it's called Babylon. But look, it, it is beyond average. It is beyond derivative, and he, he's he's still playing everything. Slash, nobody will be in a band with him, uh, and it's just terrible. It's just terrible. It is, and I, I, you know, I've described him as a shit heavy metal Elton John before. I'm gonna fucking do it again. He's a shit heavy metal Elton John, and it, and to be honest, this song isn't even up, even up to his fucking low standards. It's terrible. I mean, the, the lyrics, 
The lyrics, you could literally lift the lyrics off a page and put them straight on a cracker. There you go. They are that cheesy. It is, it's unbelievable to me that somebody can, can progress through life and, and, and at his age still think that what he's doing is A, good, or B, contributing in a positive way to the musical horizon at all. It's bloody awful. But don't worry, Andrew WK is hard at work, brackets for two years and counting, on crafting an LP of brand new music guaranteed to pressurise the power of partying into diamond levels of hardness. Fucking grow up. That's all I've got to say. That is, I mean, who is writing those press releases? An idiot, basically. A total fucking idiot with no ears. Anyway, let's get down to the interviews, shall we? Well, this was done just before Christmas. It is with the legend, the returning, the returning legend, Malcolm Dome. May I mention once again that it is, he is the man that created the term thrash metal. We have to thank him for that from the bottom of our hearts. And he's coming back. We have a really good chat about metal, about, um, you know, about the year, about the effects of, of lockdown on, on the whole music business. But as always, Malcolm is a, an engaging and, and great interview. But for now, here's Malcolm and I having a chat just before Christmas. So um, here we are um, once again, except not in our usual uh, location, Malcolm. It's usually a lovely, no. little, <laughs> a lovely little private club on, on um, uh, is it yeah, Bond Street, isn't it? No. Uh, Dean Street. Dean, Dean Street. Street. Yeah. Mm. Yes, uh, unfortunately not. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and funnily enough, um, I, always, I, I always look forward to meeting you there because it, it's, it's like some sort of secret society. <laughs> <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, it's tucked away in the middle of everywhere. <laughs> yeah, kind of one of those sort of weird hangouts that it, that you get yes. so many of in London that people just don't know it exist. <laughs> exactly. Yes, but we better not tell everyone what it is because otherwise everyone will know. Well, if you're a member, then everybody's going to want to join. Um, <laughs> yes. And, and, and <laughs> my, my, my my feeling is the uh, is the old Oscar Wilde phrase, isn't it? If it, um, any club that would have me as a member is not worth joining. <laughs> Yeah, that's the Groucho Marsters comment as oh, well. Oh, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's Groucho who said that. Yeah, any, any clubs that have me, I wouldn't want to join. Yeah, anyway, absolutely. It doesn't matter. It's, it's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. You could change that for bands as well. Any band that had oh, me as a God, member, yeah. I wouldn't want to join. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. So uh, so speaking of which, um, I mean, obviously, the, the kind of um, fly in the ointment is... You know, it's been a, a bit of a rough year for us uh, all. Yeah, you could put it that way. Um, have you, uh, have you ever been? The... Have you ever been back into the office, or, or do you do you work from home normally well, anyway? Realistically, I work from home anyway, and I've I've worked from home since 2015. So for me, back in the office wouldn't have existed. So um, it, from that point of view, this year's made no difference whatsoever. But I don't know from people who are obviously record company people, magazine people, they've barely been in the office since March. Yeah. And I think actually one of the interesting things that's happened with the whole pandemic and so forth and the working from home thing is people have realised, hang on a minute, we can do it from home. We don't need to go into offices. 
Yes, yes. Um, and uh, funnily enough, I was talking about this with a, a friend the other night, and it's 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 good to a certain extent, but by the same token, the way you build um, the way you build a team and team mm. morale is is not online, you know. And it, and Absolutely. I mean, certainly, you know, certainly having worked in a sales office um, for many years myself, mm. um, you know, if someone, you know, salespeople really do bounce off each other and work off each other, and as as editorial people do as well, I you know. Totally agree with you. I, I think that's definitely the downside is that. It's accelerated what's been going on anyway, that more and more people have been working from home because technology allows it. But you're right, that actually does undermine team spirit and that collective feeling of belonging to a group. And I yeah. don't think that's necessarily a good thing. No, absolutely. And I think the key word there that, that you mentioned is belonging. You know, mm. it's 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 very hard to feel a sense of belonging to, uh, you know, to a team or a, or a job or, or, or whatever. Yes. When you when you never actually have any human interaction with anybody no, you work with. No, uh, technology is great and Zoom's been fine and Skype's been fine, but nothing beats actually meeting face to face with people and having that human connection yes. that I think we all need. Yeah, and and to that point, I mean, it, we you we know we're doing we're doing this interview over Zoom. Um, mm. Have you have you found yourself doing uh, doing obviously everything over Zoom, it, or, or do you do everything over kind of over Zoom and over the phone anyway? Is it quite rare to yeah, actually well, meet people for interviews these days? Well, it's, it's always been a combination. You do things by by phone, and increasingly by Skype and Zoom. However. Face-to-face uh, -face interviews have still been have been still going on. Yeah, unfortunately, haven't been now for for months. So it has been a case of Zoom, Skype, and phone. That's the way interviews have been conducted now for a, a little while, for most of this year. Yeah, and it it is, it's got the pros. Of course, you can do it from home, and therefore you can still do interviews even though you can't go out to meet people. The downside, and I'm sure you'd agree with this, is that especially when you don't know someone particularly well, uh, actually doing a phone or Zoom interview, you miss something. And I think when you're actually getting together with people and having that connection, it makes interviews a lot better as well. Otherwise, they can end up being question, answer, question, answer, rather than conversations. Yes, yeah. And and it, 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 you haven't got the cut and thrust, the back and forth. No, it, it's, no not it's, at all. And yeah. I think also... There's a much more relaxed feeling of actually being in an environment where you're actually face to face with someone. And yeah. doing it like this is OK, it's fine. But yeah. it's one step removed from face to face. Yeah. And and be, I mean, we you know, we we are we are essentially, you know, virtually face to face. But yeah, when you do it in an interview face to face, you can look somebody in the eye and you can yeah. you can read them. And there's yeah. something about being online that you, you just can't. No, you're absolutely right there. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of technology ever, uh, <laughs> but I totally appreciate and understand and respect the fact it's an important part of the current world and will probably be an increasingly important part. But I really do feel that the human relationships you get from meeting people are more important and more significant than doing it like this. Yeah. Yeah, and funnily enough, for 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 people watching this and listening to this, um, Malcolm saying that he's not the biggest fan of technology, but it was yours truly here who managed to delay the interview by ten minutes because my mic wasn't working. So, um, 
I've got to, I've got to confess to that. It happens. It happens. <laughs> you adapt to situations, and it's, it's no big deal. It, it does. I, ne I never thought the two most popular phrases in my, in my lexicon by the end of the year would be unmute yourself, turn your camera on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a little different. Is it loud enough? Turn it up. <laughs> it's a bit different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's all. It is all a bit odd, but um, but <laughs> it's it's still been. I mean, it's been a challenging year for everybody. But yeah. I think I think we've also seen different sides to people that we maybe you know wouldn't have seen before. Um, I mean, I've you know, I think I, I'm biased because I've kind of ended up being part of it. But Sepultura doing their Sepulquarter thing every fortnight instead of being on yes. tour is really impressive and the way they've like held it together they're still doing it every fortnight well i think that's one thing that bands have actually adapted to remarkably well is the whole idea of live streams uh, when it started and you saw bands earlier in the year performing live a lot of them felt awkward because bands were basically in empty rehearsal spaces playing to audiences they couldn't see and you get the got the thing that bands are still trying to react to the audience in the way they were when the audience is right in front of the word, how are you doing? Let's hear it. Let's hear you out there. I can't hear you. And it all sounded a bit daft. But what bands have actually started to do now is adapt in terms of, okay, we'll play the set. We won't have long gaps between songs. We'll play it and actually do the minimum talking and get on with the music. And I think they've actually adapted tremendously well. Lamb of God, especially, were brilliant. I saw a couple of uh, their... Um, live streams uh, a couple of months ago and they were tremendous because they got on with it and didn't have long gaps between the songs the other thing that bands have done i think has been quite fun is trivium uh, did one where they did it in the rehearsal space and they were having such a good laugh between them as if well we're doing a rehearsal we just have a big audience watching around the world but we're yeah. just going to have the usual banter we're having rehearsals yeah and that was great yeah. and, and i think i think that's a great way of doing it i mean i i love for us to be able to do something like that but to be able to do it we all need to be able to be in one place um and being spread all over the country it's yeah it, it's just an impossibility the only thing we've been able to do is a stupid lockdown video um but we did manage to get suzanne vega in uh, to appear in it coming out of a cupboard so i mean you know it's not all bad <laughs> no it's not bad no it's always a good thing and as you said uh, bands have adapted to it in the way that you've had members of bands getting together and doing things that probably wouldn't have done had the situation been normal because they'd be touring or recording or so busy, you couldn't have that interaction between bands. And also bands getting in guests, um, on, as you said, Seth Wichero being a prime example to help them out. I think that's been great. And that's an example of the way bands have adapted to difficult times. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I've I've ended up doing um, a um, Saturday night with H on the Acid Rain page, and mm. and basically just for a couple of hours on a Saturday night, um, chatting to people. Originally, we had each band member on, and then we've yeah. had we've had Jace Lewis on, we've had uh, Bobby Gustafsson, we've had Cragen from Heathen, and, mm. uh, and and you know people are people are available, and yeah. and it's. It always surprises me how grateful people are um, because everybody's experience of lockdown is different. 
But mm. the amount of people and the amount of messages that we get saying, oh, you know, thanks, that was great. That's the closest to a Saturday night out I've had in ages. Oh, it was almost like being at a gig. And it's that's what we've, you know, we've kind of learned to appreciate the little things. Yes, I think I think we also learned to appreciate again how important live music is in our lives. And you can take a lot for granted, oh, such and such a thing, yeah, big deal, I'll go and see them next time. Suddenly, without live music for so long, people are desperate to go to a gig. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the, the thing is, as well, is that it works both ways. I mean, I, I you know, I do stand-up comedy. I do, um, mm. I, you know, I host a bunch of pub quizzes. I'm a quiz master. I do, um, you know, the band as well. And all of that is is live entertainment i mean i'm mm. out, i'm out the house usually minimum three nights a week doing some show or other yeah so it so it's also it's also how i socialize so yeah. so when so when lockdown happened it's like well i'm going to take your work away i'm going to take your social life away yeah and it made me right realize that you know basically unless i am three days three days a week on stage enjoying the um unconditional love of strangers um i struggle a bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> well yeah i i get exactly what you're saying that's exactly true i think it's basically made people appreciate what they took for granted before yeah and yeah Absolutely, absolutely. You know, feed, feed the ego or it will starve. Um, yes. <laughs> um, but it, 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 but it's this, like I say, it's the same. It's, it's, it's brought us all kind of, you know, we're all in the same position and it's brought us mm. all, I think, uh, into a very similar place where you say people are realising that, you know, live music. I mean, I've had chats with members of the band and, and you know, some have been like, do you know what, you know, a, a lot of what we do is... It, you know, is a pain, is traveling, is mm. if you start all the, all the members have to come together from all over the UK. So, you know, Mark has a three and a half hour train journey and Cookie has a two and a half hour drive just to get to rehearsal. Yeah. And, and all of that can be a real, and, you know, everyone's saying, I'm never complaining about any of that <laughs> ever again. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one of the positives has come out of this whole disaster situation is that people have started to appreciate what they've got. Yeah. And what it means to them. And when you take it away, suddenly, oh no, what do I, how do I act now? What do I do now? But as I said, I think a lot, a lot of bands have adapted to the live stream scenario and thought, okay, we're going to make this work somehow. And we're not going to actually just try and do what we do live and expect people just to, to behave in that way. And uh, yeah. I, I think that's, um, it'll be interesting to see what happens when bands get back on stage in terms of reacting again to a live audience having adapted what they do to not having a live audience yeah yeah and i think i also think um talking to you know other members of bands and stuff like that i think there's going to be um quite a few bands who are going to be touring two albums when yes when, you're right when, when it all comes back because i mean you know we're all, we're all, I mean, we've, you know, we've rebooked our tour and, you know, fingers mm. crossed for Bloodstock and then, and then most of our shows run from September up to December next year. Fingers crossed. Let's, yeah, but it's constantly, you know, you're seeing dates announced and mm. dates rearranged and dates being pushed back. And the thing is, we're all doing that. And there's, you know, at some point, we, we, we keep pushing dates back, keep pushing mm. dates back. At some point, um everybody's dates start clashing yes know? and you've, you've you've got and so you think i mean literally on the phone to our to our live booker and it's kind of like what do we do 
you know, are we going to be able to do August and September next year? Or do we need to start thinking about potentially that might not happen and we need mm. to start booking some dates for 2022? It's because if we wait too long, it will be too late. There'll be nowhere available. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's so much going on at the moment. Nobody actually knows when live performances will start again properly. Yeah. Nobody knows what the live scene will look like. How many yeah. venues will there be? Yeah, well, so that, many are in serious trouble. Well, that's that's key. That's key. I've always said, you know, everybody, as, as grateful as I am for the conversations with people saying, oh, how can I help bands? You know, where where can I buy your album where you get the most money? Where can I buy merch where you, it gets direct to you? And it's like, look, that's great. That's wonderful. But you know what? I think it's actually more important to support venues because, yeah, we can sell merch online. We can mm. sell limited edition stuff and we can come up with stuff like that. But venues... They've got nothing. No, they've, they've got literally nothing. And I think when the whole thing calms down next year, I, I would expect by the spring, well, that's the guess, um, we'll look around and see how many venues we've lost. Yeah. And the whole live scene could be decimated. Um, yeah. Promoters, venues, who knows what we're going to face next year. Because but... we're, we're all, it, there seems to be light at the end of this dark tunnel now. However, um, the other thing to bear in mind is fans. Are fans going to want to desperately go to um, a sweaty gig again? Or are they going to say, oh, no, no, I'm not going to anywhere near a venue like that because there may still be a chance of catching something. I so think you could actually... Think I, yeah, I mean, I, I, sorry to butt in there. I, I, think, um, I think once we've got vaccines, I think, I think there will be people who will say, well, I'm not going to a gig until I've had been vaccinated. Hmm. Yeah. And then there's the anti-vaxxers. Didn't want them to come anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, speak, speaking of which, a friend of my, a, a, a friend of a friend was talking to a mate of his and he's saying, you're going to take the vaccine? He said, oh, no, I don't think so. You, you just don't know what's in it. He said, hang on, don't you buy Coke and weed every mm -hmm. week? And you haven't got a clue what's in any of that. <laughs> yeah, good point. Nonsense. Good point. Yeah, yeah, a nonsense. Um, oh, well, absolutely. Get... Show me, show me, show me an anti, an anti vaxxer who hasn't travelled around the world well, and had a malaria. I would like to actually sit, talk to an anti vaxxers Where's your evidence for all this um, hysteria about what's in it and the control thing? Where's your evidence for this? And let's face it, if you've got a mobile phone, don't people know where you are anyway? Oh, it's absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, human beings are at the top of the food chain for two reasons. One, we know how to clean water. Two, yes. vaccines. That's it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If it um, wasn't for vaccines, we'd, yes, we'd, we'd, have vaccines. Wiped, we'd have been wiped um, out by typhoid, cholera, polio, smallpox, smallpox Ebola. There would be no yeah. race if it wasn't. They're all still around. This is the thing. People go, oh, we've beaten them. I mean, there's whole nonsense about beating COVID-19. You don't beat it. You learn to live with it and, and control it. You never yeah. beat these things. Flu's still around. The Black Plague's still around. The Bubonic Plague's still common, around. Common cold. <laughs> yes, exactly. We've never, we've never uh, sorted that one out. The, the, uh, the one thing I would say is that vaccines are being developed really quickly because of necessity. And it's been proven throughout history. Wars, basically, yes. have yes. actually yeah. helped to jump uh, technology forward so much. Yeah. And let's face it, it was through German technology in the Second World War that America was able to land on the moon in 1969. Ah, but did they, though? 
Uh, <laughs> oh, let's get into the anti-conspiracy theorists. Yeah. So uh, anti, uh, I think that vaccines have been produced very quickly because of necessity, but they've yeah. been approved by very well-respected bodies who would never be approving anything that was dangerous. So I don't believe the danger. Um, how efficient the vaccine could be, you could argue, but all this nonsense about they're putting something in to control you. Realistically, if this whole pandemic had been about controlling populations, uh, there are better ways of doing it. Um, and as somebody pointed out, firstly, cut the internet. Secondly, um, actually cut food supplies. What do you mean? <laughs> Stand out a scare tactic about uh, COVID nineteen. Such a nonsense. Well, I, we, let's face it. We are we are all controlled by our governments, and we are controlled by the fact that well, we're controlled by money. All of us. Yeah. You know that money, dictates money. Yeah. dictates what you do, where you go, the kind of standard of living you have. It affects everything. Of course so, it does. So, and anti vaxxers I don't get their point. Also, anti-face maskers. Um, yeah, you could argue how effective a face mask is or isn't in term, uh, terms of protection. Okay, that's another argument. But to claim it's negative is such a nonsense. Yeah. Where's well, your evidence? Well, also, I, I, yeah, the same friend I was talking to the other day also mentioned the fact that uh, I didn't, I didn't know this, but apparently in Indonesia, the um, punishment for uh, uh, anti-masking and not wearing a mask is you have to dig the graves of people who've died of COVID-19. That's an interesting one. <laughs> That's it. That's I, I believe the phrase is, uh, I believe the phrase is getting medieval on their ass. Um, yeah, yeah. And I suppose it is, in a way it's, you claim that um, this doesn't exist. Well, you're going to have to bury those people who've died from something that doesn't exist. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, but, I mean, but to come back to the point, I suppose, there will be people concerned about going to gigs. Yes, yeah. Um, and, and, and let's face it, there are venues we both know which are so unhygienic and so dreadfully poor when it comes to cleaning. I think they're going to have to up their game massively yeah. to persuade people to come back. Yeah, and and also I think that I, I think there will be there'll be new standards expected from everybody. But by the same token, mm. I think what you were saying earlier about losing venues, I think, mm. I think what we what we might have is uh, let, let's let you know if we take an example of say the underworld, um, and yeah. you know <laughs> my favourite place in London uh, to play, and I love the place. Yeah. And let's say absolute nightmare scenario um they you know they haven't survived and they've gone bust um i i genuinely see somebody stepping in there and going right look there's there's you know there's a there's a there's a well-known uh great pub above it there's a music mm. venue ready to go underneath completely mm. kitted out then we're just going to go in and you know and 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 take up the mantle Unfortunately, that's of no use to the people who have gone bust. No, it's but true. I, but but I do think what we'll see is you will see people swooping in, um, and 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 keeping places alive. Um, unfortunately, you know, yeah. unfortunately, that's like I said, that's no that's no benefit to the people who've gone bust. But it does mean <laughs> we still have. It's, it's, you know, it's it's, it's true. I, I I think there'll be a, a standard of hygiene expected of venues now, which is going to be far greater than it has been in the past. And also, how festivals going to be uh, affected by this? Uh, 
I'm thinking of the bigger festivals like Download rather than Bloodstock and Rambling Man, for instance, but are Download going to have to cut their numbers massively? I don't know. And yeah. it's, it's a question rather than a statement. And, and the other problem is going to be American bands may not want to come over to Europe as much as before. And also with Brexit about to happen, may not want to come to the UK as much as before because of the pain involved. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, although, again, there's a flip side to that coin, which is what you might see more of is actual UK tours. And what you might see less of is bands coming over and playing one London show. Um, yes, well, I hope that's true. Yeah, it, it's it, it's possible. It's potential. I mean, speaking as somebody who is, you know, speaking as somebody who is old enough to remember what it was like to tour before we had open borders, and mm. and had things like a carne and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. it, it is possible. We did tour Europe, and we oh, no, no. and we it's didn't get impossible. stopped. At, we didn't get stopped at every border, and we didn't get searched at every mm. border. Some are more flexible than others, um, and. You know, ironically, one of the borders where we got stopped and searched, um, uh, probably the worst time was going from Ireland into going from Ireland into Northern Ireland. <laughs> yeah. So there you uh, are. yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a, a bit of a weird. It, one. It's um, it's it's hard to know how bands really at the whole Carnet thing will come back in. It's going to make touring um, more of a pain in terms of going to, from the UK to Europe and vice versa. But we just have to wait and see. Uh, but I think the big thing that everyone's looking forward to in 2021 is the return of live music. Yeah. It's going to be a slow process. It's going to take time. And I think it may be 2022 before we see a live scene that's really vibrant again. But at long last, we could actually have, I mean, I know gigs have been booked in February. Hawkwind and Rick Wakeman are both doing socially distanced London Palladium shows. And at least that's a start. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm well. Yeah. I mean, as the thing is, I mean, what we you know, what we do, thrash metal, you just want people crammed. In. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, yeah. And you know, the, the hotter and the sweatier, the better. Well, that's the way. That's the way thrash metal always works, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Hot, exactly. sweaty, energetic, mad. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. You can't have a pit with people keeping a two meter distance between. No. Between. no, no. <laughs> It's, it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what's, I mean, from from the way the, the years unfolded, um, has any kind of, um, any 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 music stood out for you? Musically, has it, you know, has it still been a decent year? Oh, I, I think there were a lot of really strong albums released this year. Some by, um, shall we say, venerable artists or veterans, like Armour Saints album. Raven's album, Anvil's album, they've all been, and Paradise Lost, they've all been excellent. So I think this year musically has been great. There's been a lot of really good metal which has come out. And uh, Lamb of God's album, Testament. Sepultura. And the list goes on, sorry? Sepultura. Sepultura, yeah, another one. Yeah. In fact, there's been so much good music actually, you can get lost in terms of, my God, I forgot about that. Alva, uh, Enslaved, they've all released what I think are really strong albums this year. So I think in terms of new music, 2020 has been a very good year. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've found it to be pretty strong as well. I mean, um, uh, I've kind of, I've always known about Haken, but mm. for some reason, the, the, the most recent album, Virus, ironically titled, <laughs> uh, 
um, pre pre COVID. Um, uh, yeah, that's that's blown me away. And I mean, I've 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 always had kind of one ear on them, but um, absolutely stunning album. Well, I think Napalm Death made an excellent record. Amaranth, Annihilator again, British Lion, Steve Harris's other band came out with a really strong album at the beginning of this year. So I, I think in reality, uh, you've also had bands like Caesar and Seven Dust, who I think have been going through a bit of a rough time in terms of coming out with okay albums, but really that, that time had been gone and suddenly rejuvenated and yeah. making strong records again. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I'm just, uh, whilst, whilst we've had a strong, I'm just, I really do have a fear of of you know all these albums loads of albums coming out um and you just know you just know the the topics and trends it's going to be isolation and loneliness oh yeah 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 and it's just like <laughs> yeah i um it's there's going to be a there's going to be a lot of lyrics to swim through that are all just you know you yep yeah, yeah we we were in lockdown as well yeah, yeah, we know it's time to move on. Let's move on to other subjects. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I absolutely refuse to do it. I mean, I've already been asked in interviews, of, you know, oh, you know, will, will, you know, will you be... No, no, we'll yeah, not yeah, be... No. <laughs> well, I, I think um, I'm waiting for the first COVID-19 concept album. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Well, it, there's... Well, you could say Haken's album Virus, it, which is also a concept album about, mm. you know, you could say they actually beat everyone to it. Um, uh, yes, you're right. That's a good but, point. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think you're right. I, it, we, and let's not forget the band who possibly made, well, Mami made the album of the year and their best album in nearly 40 years, ACDC. Ah, right. And okay. Storming out with Power Up and basically. I think it's the best album they've done since For Those About to Rock. Really? Uh, I think it's a tremendous album. Basically wow. said, okay, in a year that's so depressing, so dark and doomy and miserable, listen to this. And everyone's gone, yeah. ACDC, <laughs> yeah. putting a smile back on everyone's face. Yeah, it's, um, it, it, and, and they are, you know, that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah, oh, exactly I, I, I fully agree. And I listened to the album and thought, yeah. This is ACDC at their finest, and not at their finest, but doing an album that really stands up against anything they've done in the last 40 years. It's superb. And everyone's been saying that. What a great record. It's great to have them back doing a superb album. Yeah, and you know what? It's it's something that, um, personally, I am, I, you know, I, I haven't got round to. I mean, I'm going to, well, going to. Should. Well, do you know what? You're the first person who's really enthused about it that, that, that I've spoken to. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna download that today. Hurrah! <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, well, well worth listening to. Uh, I'm sorry, all these people have said, "Oh, it's just another ACDC album, isn't it?" You tell me who else can make an album as good as this? Nobody. Sorry, yeah. no. If if it's so easy to make an ACDC album, why is it no one comes even close? Yeah, and that, yeah. that's opinion. Obviously, and there will be other people who have different opinions. And that's totally fair enough. It's what music's about. It's opinion. But it's, it's great. To, but it's also great to see a band that, to to all intents and purposes, you know, we we all suspected ACDC were pretty much done, mm. um, and that you know one one positive to come out of the pandemic 
is you know the the last band you're expecting to come back with a with a new album is ACDC. Yeah, well, um, no disrespect to him, but thank God Axl Rose isn't in the band. Uh, yeah, yeah, and but uh, yeah, uh, do you know I, what? I would quite qualify that by saying if Axl and Angus had got together and decided they wanted to make an album that wasn't an ACDC album, it was an album for two of them to go. Fine, no problem at all. But Ang Axel as ACDC singer, uh uh, no, thank you. And yeah. Brian Johnson's come back and sounds better than he's done for years. He sounds great. He sounds enthusiastic, energetic, dynamic. And all this talk about, oh, he's got a hearing problem, he's got a voice problem, doesn't sound like it whatsoever. Yeah. Well, the thing is, being a singer, if he was having hearing problems, that yeah. naturally affects your voice because if you can't hear it properly, you yeah. are going to strain. Yeah. So now with, you know, with his hearing clear, cleared up, um, it, then he stands much better chance of, you know, delivering vocals a lot better, which clearly he is. And hopefully we'll get to see the band at least one more time with this lineup, which is the closest they'll get to the classic lineup. Obviously Malcolm's not there, sadly, but Stevie Young stepped in and has done a great job on rhythm guitar. And you've got Brown Johnson, Cliff Williams, Phil Wright, and of course, Angus. And it'd be great to see them do one. Tour maybe is a, a big word, but do some dates. Yeah, I mean, one I, last time. do you know what? ACDC, comeback of the year. But in the yeah. whole metal community, for me, comeback of the year is Phil Rudd. From, mm -hmm. from, from being accused of hiring hitmen, from yeah. being <laughs> possession of crystal meth... <laughs> Right? Yes, <laughs> he picked out the band. He's back somehow. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the human cockroach, he's back. Well, it just seems for, for, nothing stops Phil Rudd. And um, whilst I, th I think that Chris Slade and Simon Wright both did great jobs when they played for ACDC, um, nobody beats Phil Rudd as ACDC's drummer. He is ACDC's drummer, full stop. The way that Charlie Watts is the Stones' drummer, and Lars Ulrich is Metallica's drummer. Whether you think he's got problems in terms of timekeeping or not, somehow it works. Yeah, yeah. And Dave Lombardo was Slayer's drummer. And without Dave Lombardo, Slayer never sounded as good. And funnily enough, you should mention Slayer. Boy, if you want to do one last world tour and then retire from the live scene, I mm. think they pretty much timed that perfectly. They did it very well, timed it beautifully. Uh, of course, there are going to be rumours about a reunion. That never stops. And except for Chura. Uh, Max Cavalera reunion still won't go away. <laughs> I well, I, I, as you may have seen, I've, I, I did um, I did a series of podcasts with um, with Sepultura. I did one with Derek Green, one with Andreas, mm. and one with Jens, the producer of Quadra. Mm. Um, and I did podcasts with them all, and we they, they became part of um, Sepulquarta, which they've just finished coming out at the end of the year. And um, speaking with those, I, I, I saw them launch the first one. And it was the interview with Derek and mm. and it had been posted for about 15 minutes on Instagram. And the third comment was no Cavalieras, no Sepultura. And I just <laughs> really, really, um, you've, you've, got, I, you've got to let yeah. go. You've got to give up. Even Derek has been in the band longer than Max and Igor ever were. I know. Absolutely. I think that shit sells. I think the time when Max and Eagle could have returned to Sepultura and it would have been huge has gone. I think now 
as you said, I think Seth Wichero are making really strong records with the current lineup. They don't need Max back. Max has got his own stuff. Uh, let it, as you said, let it go. Yeah. Leave it. Move on. I must really address my surroundings because at the moment I look like I'm in some sort of hunting lodge for rich weirdos. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it, I, I'm at my uh, I'm at my mum's house up in Yorkshire. Um, Is she a rich weirdo then? <laughs> I'm at a hunting lodge. Definitely a weirdo. Rich, unfortunately not. Um, <laughs> Fair but, enough. Uh, yeah, but there you go. Um, so where were we? Yeah, Sepultura. That's never going to happen. Um, not even. I mean, you like to think when things like this happen that it would bring people. You know, it brings people together, or you know, people would be burying hatchets and things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, it's not. Uh, it's not really the case. Well, I, I don't know whether Max Nigo even talked to Andreas uh, and Derek or, or whatever. But I think in terms of reunion. Do we really need it anymore? I don't think so. Well, I think we've kind of—I think we've kind of got the best of all worlds, really. We, you know, you've got the yeah. Cavaliera conspiracy, you've got Sepultura, um, yeah. you've got the Cavalieras touring. Um, you know, touring the Roots album. They're going to tour the Chaos AD up. So, you know, it's—I think that's you know that's that's that's, that's a, a decent way forward. Exactly. I, I think there's too much emphasis put on reunions these days, and. Um, no, e easy, easy. Just remember who you're talking to here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, too much emphasis is put on certain reunions. <laughs> um, I mean, now you've got Twisted Sisters thinking they may actually record again and makes Ooh. you think, please don't tell me you're going to do another tour. Please, 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 no. You left yeah. it at the right time. Don't come back. I don't think they will do any live dates again. But uh, uh, yeah, yeah I don't know. I'd be, I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if they if they record again because I know I know D was on record. Well, he's on record on his record. Um, mm. You know, for the love of metal, of saying he said to Jamie Jaster, "Look, you put you put it together. You mm. write it. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna write this. You know, yeah. you you need to to write this and I'll sing it." Yeah. Um, and um, the, the, well, let's see. There has there have been rumours about them doing maybe one or two songs in the studio, but I, I can't see it happening. I think that they left at the right time, left at a tremendous high, and as Dee said, we left on to, at the top of our game. We yeah. don't want to actually be touring and just go into decline. I think that's the best way to do it. Well, the headline, and, uh, the, the headline set uh, at Bloodstock for a last ever UK show is is legendary. Absolutely tremendous. Brilliant way to end it. Yeah. And that's the memory they should leave for everyone. And I think they will. I, I think they'll, they'll basically say, yeah, we left at the right time. Let's just leave it. We moved on. Yeah. And and uh, and I have to say as well, um, as much as uh, I was kind of. Not despairing, but I, I didn't see Mark, Mike Portnoy being the, the, the best idea on drums. I, I did an absolutely brilliant job. He did a great job. Well, he's a huge Twisted Sister fan, which helped a lot. Yeah. And he did a great job. He did a great job. And um, it's the best memory to leave everyone with that bloodstock performance. As you said, a legendary way to end it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, you know what you say? Go out on a high, always leaving wanting more, yeah. etc. Absolutely. Cetera. And it's, it is. It's a cliche, but absolutely true. Well, actually, I, I just want to touch on the Slayer thing. 
there's loads yeah. and there's you know there's been loads of rumors from uh, you know ever since people became aware that Kerry King was going to be doing something and everybody's got you know uh, Phil Anselmo on vocals in his band um, and that just seems to be like an accepted rumor now. Have you know behind the scenes you're way you know much better connected than I am. Is there have you heard any kind of rumblings at all? Not at all. Um, I think these are rumours. I think Kerry will keep things very close to his chest until he's ready. I'm intrigued to see what he does. I think it'll be very interesting to see what he comes up with. But, I mean, Kerry's the sort who's got the reputation and the connection to pull in a lot of big names to help out if he feels he wants to, unless he wants to put together his own proper band. But I think it's going to be one of the things to watch out for next year, a Kerry King solo album, and maybe tour. I think... Maybe. Yeah, well, I, I think personally that, you know, he was nowhere near done and he loves playing live. So, oh, you know, I, and 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 also I think if, if I'm Kerry King, you know, let's face it, he kept Slayer going for the last decade. Mm. You know, he, he was yeah. he was he was the main writer. He played he played all the bass on, on the albums, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and yeah. you know, and wrote a lot of the lyrics. And I think with him now approaching approaching a new band without having to write lyrics for Tom or do this, yeah. or do, do, you, do you know what I mean? I, I, I think I think what you'll get is basically something that sounds very very Slayer like, um, but I do think it, he yeah he might have a few mates guesting on the album, but I, I do think he'll genuinely put a band together because it, because he's going to want to tour, he's going to want to play live. I hope so. And as you said, why should he be done? He's got a lot more to do musically. He's clearly enthused. Go for it. Yeah. I think everyone will go. Yeah. And people will be very interested to see what he does and hear it. Well, I will for one. I mean, I'm, um, I'm, I'm still kind of mourning Slayer. I mean, they are the band that I've seen live more than any other band by a distance. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, my my feeling has always been no Dave Lombardo, no Jeff Hanneman, no Slayer. Slayer for me were four people, and without two of them, yeah, sorry. Uh, but I love Slayer, I love what they do, but I think that they should have ended it earlier because without Jeff and Dave, it wasn't Slayer. Well, do you, anyway. do, do you remember those two, um, do you remember those two Astoria shows almost exactly one year apart where they played yeah. Rain and Blood from Rain Blood, to yeah. What a couple of shows they were. Uh, I mean, just and and I I, I kind of think they were pretty much the first to to do that an album from beginning to end. I'm not sure. Oh, that's a good question. This has been going on for so long with bands doing albums from start to finish. I'm not sure who were the first to do it. Yeah, uh, it was certainly one of the first, if if you want to. Certainly in the thrash area. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose now now it's one of those things. Now I've said it and put it out in there, out in the air. I just mm. thought, hang on now, that's rubbish, because um, you've got to. I mean, <laughs> band, you know, bands like Genesis will have will have toured Foxtrot, you know, uh, you know, well, in the seventies. It's only become a, a recent thing for bands to do an album in its entirety. Bands never used to do that. They go out and tour and do a few songs from an album, but never the whole of a new album. Well, I've just, uh, I've, I've just realised. It's a classic. I thought, oh, we'll set this, actually do something like celebrate its 20th anniversary in the whole of the album. Well, I've just realised that um, I went to see Marillion on the Misplaced Childhood tour, where they play the whole of Misplaced Childhood from beginning yeah, to end. Yeah, that's so. a good that as well. 
Yes. But yeah, I know. <laughs> I, uh, but but yeah, Slayer were more the sort of no playing playing an old album and not a concept album, but playing an old. Oh album, yeah, very much bringing classic it back, albums from start, start to, to finish. finish. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I th yeah, they might have been first, whatever. It's, it's um, become one of the um, the norms now for bands. Oh, what do we do? Oh, let's do an entire album. <laughs> Yeah, actually, sometimes it's a bad move because you suddenly realise actually there are a few dodgy songs on this album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, it, yes. Funnily enough, Malcolm, I, I, I mean, I, I turned fifty this year. Um, <gasps> I, I know, I know. In April, who can, who, who can think it? Um, and <laughs> I, but it, but it has strangely kind of made me. I don't know, um, not sort of conscious of my mortality, but just, just it's, it's really made me kind of um, look back on things and, and, and mm. moving into a, a different stage of my life. And, uh, you know, we're now seeing bands that we remember coming out, being young and exciting and doing something mm. different. And we're seeing them retire and we're seeing classic, you know, classic musicians like, you know, we've lost Ronnie Dio, we've lost, this year we lost Eddie Van Halen. And yeah. and it's- This year. <laughs> I, I, yeah, wow. and I, I, I'm afraid to say this, but it's kind of really fucking depressing and I want you to cheer me up about it. <laughs> well, we've got a lot of exciting young musicians around, but when, when you think about the fact that Metallica will celebrate their 40th anniversary next year, which oh. is, what, <laughs> hang on, where did that come from? When, and, uh, Ma um, I, I, Malcolm, when when do we start feeling old? That's what I want to know. Uh, actually, you know what? We don't, and that's the beauty of it. Why should we? Yeah. <laughs> Since when? I, I think that's one of the beauties of life, as it has been for a while now, is that no one cares about age. So what? Um, you have Deep Purple are still around in the, in their seventies, and people are going, let's go and see them. I've never seen it before. I'm only 20 years old. I want to see Deep Purple because I've heard so much about them. What's wrong with that? Yeah. And these bands can still deliver. And as long as bands can still deliver and people still want to see them, why the hell should they stop? Yeah. Yeah, and, no, I, and, I, I agree. I agree. I, I do wonder, though, who is going to step into the shoes of the legends? You know, are we, are, are we going to go to download one year and Machine Head are going to be headlining the main stage, or Trivium, or you know, where 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 are the next tentpole bands coming from? Oh, um, I missed most of that because you froze for uh, about a minute. <laughs> right. Okay. No worries. I I got a little unstable message there. Um, so uh, what I'm wondering is, you know, where are the next real the tentpole bands coming from? The ones who can carry a festival. You know, are we going to see Machine Head headlining the main stage at Download? Are we going to see Trivium headlining places like that? You know, who who do you see coming through that have the ability to actually, well, you know, have that kind of clout? The one band I would say I think are more than capable of headlining festivals in the next few years are a young American band called Tempt from New York. You sound like Van Halen beat, beat Bon Jovi. Uh, their new album should be out in April, May or something. They should have been over in the UK this year. They were due to do download and other shows with Iron Maiden. Unfortunately, never happened because of, we all know why. But I think they're young, exciting, dynamic, great musical skill. They write catchy, really exciting anthemic songs. And I think they're going to be huge. Right, Personally. okay. 
Tempt. Tempt. T-E-M-P-T. Have they got anything out out at the moment? Uh, They've got an album that came out a couple of years ago. That's worth checking out. It came out on um, Rock Candy. But they're now signed to Better Noise, which is effectively the label got people like Five Finger Death Punch and so bands of that nature. Right. Uh, but you can, they've got a lot online. They've done a lot of cover versions um, on YouTube, which are worth checking out. But their own stuff is great, very exciting. And I think they've got a lot going for them. So they, they're my tip for doing big things next year. Right. Definitely. Okay. Definitely big things. I, in terms of the, the likes of Machine Head and Trivium, I th- now I I can see Machine Head maybe headlining Bloodstock maybe, but download now. Sorry, I just don't see them re- reaching that level, and that's part of the problem. Is in terms of the next generation on from the current download level headliners, there isn't anyone. Slipknot are the only ones who've really come through. Well, and have funnily, taken the mantle. Well, funnily enough, you uh, you you. I think there's only one other band that can be in there, and that's Avenged Sevenfold. Yes, to be fair, yes. Yeah, they're in there as well. Yeah, I mean, Uh, doing it with other people's riffs, but it still counts. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Uh, I remember going to see Avenged Sevenfold at the LA2 downstairs. Um, uh, And I think, oh, God, it's got to be like, you know, 15, 20 years ago. When mm. when they when they were a sort of cult band, really. Yeah, they, they were more hardcore in those days, weren't they? Yeah. Hardcore metal, yeah. and I thought they were much more interesting and exciting. I yeah. think what they're doing in recent years is very good power metal. But yes. it's not exceptional power metal for me. I it's it's underpowered power metal. Mm, yeah, it's it's Halloween, but not as good. Yes. Yeah, personally, yeah. personally speaking, uh, that, that's what I thought. And actually, interestingly enough, Halloween were one of those bands I felt at the end of the 80s were really going to break through and become uh, one of the next big bands. And they blew it big time, blew it completely. Well, let's let's face it. We both know who's responsible for that. And you cannot sign the band to a record label when they're already signed to another one, no matter how bad that label may be. Yeah, that was such a huge mistake. And, um, and Pink- I, 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 to be honest, you know what's to blame for that? Yorkshire, because that is the typical act of a Yorkshireman. Balls to him! <laughs> Don't bloody matter! Yeah, let's <laughs> yeah, not going too controversial on that one. <laughs> they, they really did blow it big time, and it's such a shame they did. But Machine Head, I think, make great music, but they don't see... I think they're leveled off and if you're looking at download for instance and i can't talk for andy coffee who's done does an excellent job promoting download but in terms of where would he see machine head on the bill at download third on the bill on the main stage i can't see it being higher than that yeah and, wrong. And, and for all the people shouting at the podcast who are machine head fans Yes, you're right. Machine Head do not play festivals, um, so I've I, I, I've just remembered that. Um, in fact, in yeah, fact, they don't. In fact, yeah, yeah. In fact, they don't even have support bands. Yeah, Trivium, another band who um, should have been much bigger than they are. Yeah, and again, you're looking at them in terms of where would they? Um, just download as for instance, because obviously it's the biggest UK rock metal festival. 
I'm not putting Glastonbury in there. Glastonbury is a, a separate thing entirely. Yeah, it's a um, food festival with stages. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, and sorry, but for me, Glastonbury is no more than a, a trendy corporate exercise these days. It's got nothing to do with the, the origins of Glastonbury, which is a really great idea when it first started, so grassroots. And um, I, I do think it's... Um, well, people keep talking about, shouldn't Iron Maiden do Glastonbury? Well, Metallica stole their thunder by being the first metal band to play the metal uh, to headline there. So would Maiden want to go in as being second to Metallica? Yeah, and, uh, and also, and, the, and also it, it, it's, not, it's not Iron Maiden's decision. It's Glastonbury's decision. Well, Maiden have the right to say yes or no if they're offered it. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and the other interesting thing that just occurred to me as well, because obviously people are up in arms about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and always are. And why aren't Judas Priest, Motorhead, Thin Lizzy, Iron Maiden in there? I would love one of those bands to actually be offered the induction and turn it down. Yeah. I'm sick and tired of people from bands coming up. We don't care. We means nothing to us. Prove it. Because if you're offered your know, a nomination, turn it down. Yeah. I yeah. would love to see somebody do that and then see what the reaction would be. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and also, I think um, if you are going to accept um, uh, an induction, then, you know, do it properly. People, yeah. who, you know, people who were people who are in the band for 20 years. Yeah, they probably deserve to be allowed to be on stage and play one song. You know, even well, it's, 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 firstly, turn up, don't accept the, the induction and then not turn up. Um, secondly, well, I mean, I, I don't know what really went on with, with Deep Purple, but you now got Glenn Hughes coming out and basically saying that uh, he and David Coverdale did not get on with the current Deep Purple guys and the Deep Purple guys made, obviously didn't want them there. Uh, and did that really happen? Was it that obvious? Sorry, but the history of a band goes beyond a certain lineup. Yeah. Well, it's a band with a lot of longevity. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I still think one of the most appalling things that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame did when they inducted Deep Purple, the whole of Mark II got in, uh, inducted, the whole of Mark I got inducted, the whole of Mark III got inducted, with one exception Nick Simper, who was the bassist in Mark I was left off. Why? He was in the band as well as Rod Evans was. Why the hell was he left off the list? Yeah. I can't understand that. I'd love someone to explain to me why he wasn't inducted. Deep Purple claimed it wasn't their decision, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame made the decision. And it's like, well, ha hang on a minute. If your band is being inducted, surely you have the right to decide whether you which members are going to be inducted? It shouldn't be down to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. No, I completely agree. I completely agree. Well, look, um, Malcolm, let's um, let's leave it there for now. I've got some questions for you from subscribers. Okay. If you can, right. if you can hang on for a bit. And he did indeed hang on for a bit. And we then went on and did the Patreon questions. So if you like the podcast and you want to get more out of it, there is shed loads of stuff for you on Patreon. 
Um, in the link of this podcast, in the description of this podcast is a link. It says support this podcast. Click on that. It'll take you to patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith every month for five or the new tier, six dollars, the full bollocks. You get a shed load of stuff. You get a, you get every every month. You get a two hour radio show. You get a live Zoom uh, kind of podcast kind of chat where we all get together and I tell you all the stories that I can't tell on the podcast and stuff like that um, you get a chance to submit your questions for your heroes like Malcolm um, and then get them answered and it's all really cool all of the patrons are you know all say they love it they bang on about it and they all say the same thing when they sign up I should have done this ages ago look at all this lovely stuff so that's what you're thinking don't hesitate sign up help me out help the show out and help yourself out because there is a shed load of content over 400 posts going all the way back to me demoing vocals for the new acid rain album that's how far it goes back so anyway that's enough of a plug for patreon um what i'm gonna have to admit to at this point is uh that i mean malcolm was great as always wonderful interview and i probably you know i've gone straight off on the old patreon tangent there instead of saying top man always fascinating to have on the podcast and he's going to be coming up on another uh, podcast i do very soon um now i've got to be honest it was recorded on zoom i did record the video and then i lost it yeah what an absolute idiot I realised when I did it, I know when I did it, I was having a, you know, doing some housekeeping on the old laptop and I was like, all right, yeah, get rid of that, you know, get clear all this. And I hadn't retitled it and labelled it as the um, uh, as the podcast conversation. So I thought I was just deleting a because um, I do lots of Zoom at the moment. Um, some recorded, some not. And yeah, I've thrown it away. My apologies, guys. There is no video to watch. What a bloody idiot I am. I do humbly apologise. And if it is any consolation, I am as pissed off with me as you are. So let me give you a little tip to try and make up for it, okay? Um, the lovely people um, at, I do believe, yeah, the lovely people at Century, Century Media um have let me um get a copy of the new cryptosis album bionic swarm early and um i tell you what i think a lot of you out there are going to really really dig this full-on old school classic uh, well cla- no it's it's full-on old school thrash is what it is um and but also it's kind of there's 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 some sort of hardcore overtones like crossover over it's just it's really 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 cool and really interesting um and um i'm going to be having cryptosis on the on the podcast at some point um and it's going to be really interesting to have a chat to them because they um you know they were better known as another band for many years and were and were almost like you know just to sort of um, old school kind of thrash tribute band, but they just seem to have completely found their feet with this new album, um, and it's absolutely rocking. Now it comes out on March twenty fifth on um, Century Media, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a uh, link 
in the podcast description uh, that will say Cryptosis um, video and new album. Basically, that will take you to their website, and you can and on the homepage you can order the album and you can watch video um, of a particularly outstanding um, uh, outstanding track from the album called Decipher. Um, and it is, it, yeah, it's 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 pretty ripping, if you ask me. It's pretty bloody ripping. Um, so yeah, uh, Cryptosis definitely worth checking out. Definitely, definitely worth checking out. Um, so look, thank you as always for listening. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Please tell everybody you know about it. In fact, tell people you don't know about it. Just stop strangers in the street and say, "Come on." You need to get yourself into this. This is cracking stuff. And, um, you know, maybe that'll work. I don't know. But um, it's as always, it's a pleasure to be in your ears. And all that remains for me to say is that I will be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. Got some really, really cool guests coming up, including possibly the biggest guest I've ever had. I mean, I think they are. So whilst you're thinking about who that could be, and there's no impressions or clues this time, uh, I've managed to get through nearly an entire episode without any impressions. Um, you know, no no, um, no Popeye, no um, no Dave Alefson, which I've no, no idea how Dave Alefson ended up sounding like Jed Clampett. Um, and um, and I've no idea how, uh, how Dave Mister Hey Oh Me It's the Real Me. Um, I've no idea how how Dave Mustaine ended up being uh, being Popeye, but I I just can't resist. I don't know what it is. I just cannot resist. Anyway, um, I, I'm going to go because I'm rambling now, and I'm liable to do some more horrendous impressions. So let's get out of here before I do. <laughs> <laughs>